Hello, everyone, and inside today's Lockdown Canadians, it is part two of the mega. We sorry for going a week without doing a mailbag mailbag episode. We have all the rest of your questions inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 677 of Locked On Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen. If you're listening wherever you get your podcast or your first watch, if you're watching us on YouTube.com. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And just to pull back the curtain a little bit, we are recording this Tuesday night. We got so many questions for our mailbag last week that we had to push back due to the Sean Monahan trade and its 7,000 conditions that we are still working our way through. We broke it up into two episodes this week for all of you. You'll be hearing this on Friday. If anything happens between the time we're recording this, 9.01 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday and the weekend, we will have a bonus episode. Don't worry, Lockdown Canadians will not abandon you without covering all of that. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Mellon. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba and Laura we have so many more questions to get into. So how are you feeling? And let's dive right into it. So I'm ready to go. Uh, our first question comes from Cody Plourd, who uh, on Twitter sent us the uh, picture of Philip Mayshar's thighs um, his, and, and said that, you know, he's going to be Marty's favorite in no time. Um, and that, that that's that's what he's reiterating. It'll definitely speed up his call up to Montreal. And I absolutely agree. Like those thighs do rival Marty St. Louis. Um, <laughs> questions for the mailbag. What do you think the Atlantic division will look like at the end of the year? Who's first, second and third? I know we talked a little bit about this in a previous mailbag that we still think it's going to be some form of Tampa, the Leafs and either Florida or Boston anywhere in that top three. And then after that, Boston could fall off hard just because they're missing Marchand. They're going to be missing Pasternak. They're going to be missing McAvoy to start the season. Goaltending's a little unsteady, but at the same time, David Krejci is back. They have Patrice Bergeron. They could make a serious you know, run even regardless. And Florida could fall off because they hired Paul Maurice as their head coach and have famously unsteady goaltending in Sergei Bobrovsky. And Spencer Knight hasn't fully established himself all I can really tell you is top one, two feels like it's going to be Tampa and Toronto until someone wrestles that away from them. And the next question, this is an interesting one, and I wish I'd prepared, uh, and you'll see why in a second. With the new regime, it feels like a new team next year. Should Montreal change their goal song? If so, what song would you both pick? So spoiler alert, I did see this question a while ago, and then I was like, I'm going to think about it later. And then I didn't think about it later. And then I saw the question again, and I was like, I should have thought about it when I when I said I would. My thought's simple, uh, custom goal songs for each player, because that's the fun way to do it. Honestly, the Sabres did it. The Canucks have done it. I think it's really fun to do that. Um, I'm a sucker for the old goal song, um, the one that was called the goal song. Um, <laughs> I I would really not be opposed to that coming back at all. Um, but outside of that, just, you know, do do custom goal songs. It's fun. Just do it that way. It, it's so much more fun to do it that way, and it always has been. Okay, so 
hear me out. Tanking team, high rate of hell. I mean, I can get down with that. I mean, the thing is, the I know, is about- like, it's like you, it sounds like, like, it sounds like a bad choice, but imagine it playing when they score the goal, right? I, I, I am, I, I appreciate that. And, the Canadians have always been unique, though, except for the time they had U2 for some reason, which I will never understand for the life of me. But I, I want them to do something unique because that's what the organization's about is uniqueness and being different. So custom goal song, Highway to Hell, I think both fits that kind of bill. Uh, Randy Hansen, our friend, asks us, how long before we hear Drury, Hoffman, and Byron getting moved? Um... <laughs> Well, Byron, I don't think is getting moved because I'm pretty sure he's going on LTIR at this point. Um, the other two, we're not going to see till the preseason. Who gets injured? Who isn't ready for camp? Who's performing? Who's not performing? I don't think you'll see some of these names moved until at least part of the way through the preseason. You know what's interesting? I'm going to say this real quick because I know we've got we've got we've got so many more questions to get through. But what's really interesting is that with so many players moving for future considerations, including. Sean Monaghan. Um, Hoffman has not yet been moved for future considerations. And that to me has been really, really interesting. I don't think it's because nobody would want him for free. I think that, I think that there are teams that would want him if they don't have to give anything up for him and he still has not been moved. So that to me is something that is um, really, really interesting. Anyway, I personally think that these will be resolved before the preseason and and Paul Byron is probably going to be back, but moved very, very rapidly to a front office role. I, I, I wanted to just uh, hit on that Mike Hoffman point. I think it's because Ken Hughes isn't willing to trade players for nothing either. I think he's waiting until he gets his moment and then he's taking it. And I think that's a sign of a good GM who is not compromising what his vision is just right. to get rid of things. He's not paying yeah, yeah. trading. That's exactly what I meant is that, yeah, is that trading him for nothing is an option that's available based on the current market. And he's not taking that option because he's got something else up his sleeve. All right. Uh, Randy Hansen, last question for this segment with Monaghan in the fold, who's the real loser from last season's roster. What do you expect? What do you reasonably expect from the centers and average points this season? So Nick Suzuki, I think people ask us this all the time. Um, and every time we say something, it's either too low or too high. So, Scott, I'm going to put you on the spot once again. How many points for Nick Suzuki? If the power play is functioning, 75 to 80. Okay. Um, um, Christian Vorak, defensive role. If, if he hits 45, I think we're laughing. Um, mm-hmm. Same with someone like Kirby Doc. I think, honestly, Dvorak is the biggest loser in all of this just because he doesn't really have a role right now. And we might just be overthinking the whole Sean Monahan thing right now. It's all very clouded. We have three centers that we assume are sticking on the roster. Evans, who has term, Doc, who they traded for, and Nick Suzuki. We don't know where Monahan's going to go. We don't know where Dvorak's going to go. We don't know. Evans could go to the wing. It's a lot up in the air. I think they like Jake Evans in that role, but I also think they know he can play effectively as a winger as well. He did in the playoffs before the coward Mark Scheifele took his head off like a coward. So they have flexibility and options with that. I do think, though, that they're going to try and move Dvorak out one to clear cap. And just because 
it, who cares if Sean Monahan's not great. It, it's not the end of the world. Who, who really cares? Like you can move Jake Evans up to a third line role and guy can be your fourth line center. You're just supposed to be bad. Your lineup is full of some guy, some guy or gee, we are the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> so um, I really hope that joke lands. Um, we have so many more mailbag questions coming up in our next segment. But first, a word from our sponsors at betonline.net. They are the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for all odds, lines, and games. You can get reviews and news from every league, the MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. They have all your wagering info, live in-game betting, scores, podcasts, breaking news, they have you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. Bet Online, where the game starts. We right. are back. Oh, sorry. I, I, I interrupted you. I was going to tell them if you want to send mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians or locked on Canadians at gmail.com. We do have a lot of questions though. So Laura is right to kind of to hurry me along here. So what do we have next in the mailbag, Laura? I have to be really honest. I thought I was hosting this episode at some point while Scott was doing the ad read. I was like, oh, I'm hosting this episode. I should go in and come back from the break. (laughs) (laughs) We are doing great over here. This is a professional podcast, and we will be back to professionalism after we've had any amount of sleep, which we have not had uh, in like six years. This question comes from Eric B. If Drouet and Dadanov meet or exceed expectations heading into the trade deadline, and we're talking about 15 to 25 goals and around 55 points, with salary retained, what would be a reasonable return? I don't think you have to retain on either guy if they have 55 points by the trade deadline. I think a team will take them at full price and will be happy to do so. Um, I think that's setting the bar a little bit too high for both. If they ended the season with 15 to 20 goals and 55 points, I think we're like, that was great. Amazing. Um, If they go into the trade deadline playing well, and we talked a little bit about this in our last episode is you can probably get a first for Jonathan Drouin and probably a decent prospect mid round pick for Dodonov just because he's a little bit older. Drouin has the skill and can be a great complementary piece on a team that needs to get over that final hump in the playoffs. So that needs a dynamic playmaking winger. And he can be that when he is healthy. And we has shown that unfortunately his health has kind of failed him a little bit. And Dodonov is just, Hey, we want more added depth in our middle six or bottom six here. Here's a guy that we know we can trust. And I think Kent Hughes would be able to get maybe an Arturi Lekkanen like return in a Jonathan Drouin trade, a good prospect in a mid-round pick or a first-round pick and maybe a lower-tier prospect. Dodonov might get you a third and like an AHL guy who can't break into an NHL roster on a better team. Uh, It all depends on how they play, though. And if they take off, you know, if you can flip them, flip them. Even if it's before the deadline, just go ahead and do that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened with Tyler Toffoli, although admittedly Tyler Toffoli was on a much more economical contract than both of these guys. Um, Also, I think that, you know, we talked about it in our last mailbag episode, but I'm going to keep repeating it until it changes. 
like right now the market is not that great but when it comes to the trade deadline there's play that there's teams that want to make a splash there's teams that are gearing up for a playoff run and then there's all kinds of FOMO when teams are competing against each other it's going to be very different to now so you can change the market price for very many things uh as the course of the season goes on uh same uh sorry another question from eric your way too early 2023 draft prediction where and who the Habs will select. So we kind of keep talking about this and most people think that the Canadians are going to be around that top five draft pick. Some people really do think that they're going to be so abysmal that they're going to compete for a lottery pick. And some people are like, eh, it's going to be more like top 10. I think for me, Scott, you and I have both decided that they will be in that top five or around that top five. So Who's the best player available, like, at around four or six? I am currently bringing up um, elite prospects, uh, their rankings. Um, and I'm going to short this. Wow. Um, it says, oh, no rankings published. Um, that's great. Uh, we know Connor Bedard's up there. We know Mitchkov is up there. We know Adam Fantilli is up there. And someone asked us about, I believe it was Cameron Allen was someone that asked us about there. And I think he's someone that might be of uh, very, uh, very appealing to them. And then there was another Slovak player, um, Dalibor Dvorsky, who uh, plays in the Swedish league right now. He put up 40 points. And I think he's someone that based on recent things, the Canadians like their European guys, you know, he's six one, seventeen 17 years old, put up 20 po- or 40 points in the under 20 league for AIK in Sweden. He's someone that might fall, might rise, and that might shift things a little bit. But he's definitely someone that I would keep an eye on if I were the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Eric also asks, who you, do you think are Doc's best fit wingers? Uh, um I guess it all depends on uh, how I think Kirby Doc plays. Admittedly, I don't know much. I know what he was doing in Chicago, and I don't think he's going to be asked to play the same role in Montreal. But for Doc, I think you give him to Donov and Gallagher, and you go, this is kind of your safety blanket, and then you adjust from there. Maybe, you know, you move Hoffman or Armia there, and you you play with a tenacious line there because Doc can carry the puck and can shoot. Gallagher can clean up, and Dodonov can kind of do all the other stuff there, and I think it makes a really nice balance kind of grouping there. And our final question for this segment is from Casey D, who takes us on walks every single day. So thank you. The question was asked prior to the World Juniors or while the World Juniors was was going on. Now they are obviously finished. Which Habs prospect impressed us the most? Uh, Jan Meshack. Uh, I think Joshua Watt played really well, mind you. But I think Jan Meshack did everything he could on that Czech team to try and get them a medal. And I think he really boosted his stock. We said it guys on the prize. If we had done the top 25 voting, AFTAC would have gone up several spots at that point, I think. Um, Wa played really well, but I was really, really impressed with what Jan Mishak did for the Czech, uh, for the Czech team. And um, speaking of Jan Mishak, we've been asked uh, to have an expert come on and talk about his OHL play as he gets ready to turn pro. Uh, and that is coming. I have several ideas as to who we're going to ask. So we're going to bring people on to talk about Jan Mishak before Jan Mishak becomes one of the HL or NHL players on the Canadians organization. 
And we do have a few more questions left as we finish up our mailbag extravaganza. And those are all coming up next. We are back. I am hosting this episode just so we are very clear on what is happening on today's show. Um, if you want to send us questions at LO underscore Canadians, Canadians at gmail.com. Uh, they're going to be looking for a new co-host after Laura kills me for making fun of her several times tonight. So It's all good. This is just me being tired. Here's the thing. Scott <laughs> is my co-host and my very good friend. It's okay for him to make fun of me, but there's a short leash on people who don't know me very well. Laura, what do we have left in the mailbag for today? Uh, longtime listener, Brendan Benton, who we love, who has been around for so long and still listens and still comments. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Hughes and Gorton getting another first round pick in the Monaghan deal. <laughs> Big fan. We They literally gave up nothing and got a first round pick. Like... I mean, sorry, that's offensive to Michael McNiven, but they gave up nothing and got a first-round pick and a player <laughs> who might turn into more picks. What's not to love? It seems like... Maybe the cap hit, but don't... Whatever. It's not going to be that long. Um, and, you know, <laughs> if they trade Josh Anderson, there needs to be another handsome person on the team to, to replace that. So, you know... How dare just you saying. dismiss... Edmonton like this why would you do this I'm saying there were two handsome people and then when you remove a handsome person you need to add another so you continue to have two handsome people especially now that Carey Price is not there all right my thoughts are that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon are working really really hard I'm not 100% sure what their plan is but they know what their plan is and they're not deviating from it they are sticking to it and they are being bold about it so this was uh again I think it was, you know, it's not masterful as much as it is just a great hockey decision that they made. Um, Logan B asks us, all right, now we have a question that Scott, you have to get right. Best non-traditional wing flavor. For me, it's tossed half barbecue, half honey mustard, then finished in the grill to caramelize the sauce. I would also accept butter chicken. So this is Logan, not me. Scott. Best non-traditional wing flavor. And you live in Buffalo, so you cannot mess this up. Um, Let's see. I was going to say garlic parm's traditional barbecue, mild, medium, hot. I'm going to say a good Thai chili, nominal. I also, at Bar Bill in East Aurora, they do a honey butter barbecue that is to die for. I don't know if that counts as non-traditional or not. But I think a good Thai chili is absolutely phenomenal. I've never had a butter chicken chicken wing before, though. And now I'm extremely intrigued by the idea of this. And I want one butter chicken and chicken wings now, which is just terrible because it is 930 at night when we are recording this. All right. So I've got one. Um, this is actually from the Birdhouse Wingery and Bar in Montreal. So I am not inventing this out of my mind. They've actually got some really good ones. Um, there's Cacho a Pepe, which is kind of traditional because it's like, like Scott said, you can consider that. Um, the one that I like is smoked apple habanero. Ooh. I think it's got sweetness. It's got smokiness and it's got spiciness. And they're so good at what they do. Uh, at this place and th this was free advertising uh so please call our people birdhouse um and for more advertising <laughs> <laughs> uh 
but that that is my favorite non-traditional wing flavor. And we've got a couple more questions. Um, one of them, okay, so this is a few questions from, from Patrick Bexell. I'm going to ask these questions and then I'm going to tell him to come on the show and answer these questions. <laughs> Here are the questions in case you want to take a stab at them, um, Scott. But I think this is like, this is a clue, a cue for us to invite Patrick Bexell on. It's been, you know, we, we the last time we had him, on, had him on was the Olympics. Can Adam Engstrom break into, uh, is it Rogla or Rogla this year? Um, I believe it's Rogla. Yeah. Rogla. Yeah. Um, yesterday I tried to pronounce uh sweden in swedish and my sister laughed at me for like 20 minutes uh so <laughs> i'm not good with the pronunciations but yes adam Eng adam angstrom break into rogla this year well i'm looking I at their lineup i again patrick will definitely correct a, one of us in the morning likely me <laughs> um i'm looking at their defense and it's i mean their, their defense isn't exactly loaded with high-end names that I recognize, but there are a lot of veterans in there. Um, William Wallander, who is a Detroit prospect, is 20. Engstrom's the youngest guy on in the defensive group by two years, and one of the youngest guys on the roster, roster alongside um, Marco Casper and uh, William Stromgren. I think he's got a chance, and I think he's got the skill set to make it happen but at the same time, if he has to play or if he gets loaned to, you know, either a team in Elsvenskin or another team that might have space for him and then he comes back, there's no real shame in that. He's still young and it's not a step back. He's someone that I am very interested in. He had 28 points in 45 games for uh, Eurogarden's under 20 team last year. And he's someone I don't know a lot about and someone I'd like to know more about. So he's someone that I'm very grateful we have Patrick in Europe to tell me about him and I can, you know, keep all of you updated on this show and we can't have Patrick on. So, <laughs> will Frederick Disho play more than 20 games for Furlunda? Yes. Uh, I'm going to say yes, just because I'm guessing they, they, like I said in our previous one, they'll probably split it 1A, 1B until someone takes the net. And I think Disho's got the talent to do so. Um, if he doesn't, I, I know we say this a lot with prospects. Please don't panic, people. Please don't panic. If it doesn't immediately go to plan, please, please, please don't do that. What is the highest expectation for Oliver Kapanen and Petteri Nurmi? Uh, Petteri Nurmi turning into like a safe, like bottom pairing NHL defenseman, I think would be a huge boon for his uh, pick. Uh, and Oliver Kapanen, I said it in the last show, if he can carve out a middle six role, on his team next year. Great. Um, it's just, it's the balls in his court to do. So I think he has the talent to do so. I just hope he, you know, can get himself on track, doesn't get frustrated and kind of goes down that Yoni Ikenen path. And our final question from Patrick Bexell <laughs> is uh, what do we expect from Kostenko? Is he even near the KHL level? I, I I truly don't really know. Um, the KHL is hard to follow based on just everything that's been going on with the war in Ukraine. And Kostenko, I believe, just transferred to Kunlun Red Star, which, uh, based on what some people from Europe said, is not a good career sign. He's leaving Spartak Moscow, which is a uh, one of the bigger teams, maybe not the biggest, but one of the bigger ones. 
I, I don't expect much from him. Uh, if he becomes anything, great, but my expectations are low and they might just let his contract rights kind of go, honestly. And I don't think anyone would even really notice at the end of the day. Yeah, I think I'm just going to agree with you there because, again, you and Patrick are way more uh, way more well-versed in this stuff. So we've got a question from our old friend Andrew G. And this was right after the news about Price uh, happened. I now has said, how make better? Um, hmm. Hmm. Um, well, you can watch him run over Chris. You can watch him run over Chris Kreider if you want, like, or (laughs) watch him giggle at, you know, Mitch Marner in the playoffs last year or watch him collect awards. Or, uh, you can read my article at Habs Eyes on the Prize about, uh, where he ranks among the goaltending greats instead of some of the other articles that are out there, which are bad and terrible and not worth your time. Yeah, that's a thing that I I managed to avoid because of the wedding. I managed to avoid all the Carey Price discourse. But if you don't think he belongs in the Hockey Hall of Fame, then I don't understand you because he's not just it's not the NHL Hall of Fame. It is the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, And that's all I'm going to say about that. People think he's overrated or incorrect. Uh, people think like he didn't win anything for his team. They're like, literally he was the only player on the team sometimes that functioned. I'm about to start getting really angry. So I'm going to move on to our final two questions. <laughs> our friend Paul Brancho asks a mailbag question. What's worse, Brad Marchand missing or barely moving the puck in a shootout or Patrick Stefan whiffing on an empty net? The Patrick. So hot take. Patrick Stefan missing the empty net isn't as bad because the Stars won that game in overtime. Brad Marchand missing the puck was a loss. That lost his team the game, making it worse. And the Patrick Stefan one. Brad Marchand, right? Also yes. involved the Boston Bruins and Brad Marchand. And I cut you off. So you were saying Patrick Stefan what? I was going to say, it's it, it's infamous because of how bad it was in Ray Ferraro's call about how he should be ashamed of himself. But the Stars won that game afterwards. Yeah, it's embarrassing, but they still won and they can laugh about it. The, the, the You lost to the Flyers, and their fan base is going to let you know every single time you play. And simple as that. And he almost, Marchand almost did it again uh, in Montreal this past season when uh, he was awarded a penalty shot against uh, the Canadians. After Mike Hoffman played defense once. So I think Marchand's is worse. defense once. <laughs> once. One time and he got called once. for a penalty. Anyway, in parentheses, I'm, another one. <laughs> one time. I'm not going to rant about that again, though. I don't have the energy for it. Uh, and our final question comes from Paul Brown Show. Thoughts on this meme relating to the podcast's official snack? Our official snack is charcuterie because we fancy like that. Uh, charcuterie because a generation raised on Lunchables is trying to be cool. How dare you meme? It, it's not incorrect. You? It's not incorrect. It's, the thing is, we're not trying to be cool. Charcuterie is cool. <laughs> I just like cheese and meat. Sue me. And it's what's served not on a car- to like? And it's served on a platter with some fruits and nuts and I can eat it while drinking wine. Fight me. The fancy I crackers. don't care. And the fancy crackers. Yes. Oh, oh, I saw this on Instagram. I can't remember who it was. Uh, It's people putting buttered 
radish on their charcuterie plate. And I didn't realize until I looked this up that the French eat their radish with butter. And that's probably why they like radish and the rest of us don't. <laughs> I know. No, 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 no. No. I haven't tried anyway. It no, no. Anyways, um, before we spiral too far, that was our last mailbag question, Laura. That was our last mailbag question. These these episodes are really off the rails. I promise you that we are truly a professional podcast. <laughs> I promise are, nothing. I swear. <laughs> uh, if you want to follow this very professional podcast, we are on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. As always, you can send us questions there or at LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Subscribe on YouTube, please, and thank you. Follow Laura at The Active Stick. Follow myself at Scott Matla. Um, and when you're done checking us out, please check out Lockdown NHL, where they will hit you up with all the news and analysis from our local experts. And we will see you all next time.